Would you look at Psalm chapter 51? Psalm chapter 51. And uh, I'm going to read a few verses this morning. I'm not going to read all 17 this morning. Uh, We will hit those from uh, time to time. But the Bible says, if you would stand with me out of the reverence of the reading of the Word of God just for a moment. I'm not, if you cannot stand, I totally understand that. That's not a problem. But the Bible says in verse 1, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitudes of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin as ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Father, I ask you to be with this message this morning. And Lord, I beg of you this morning to give me the words I need to say. Lord, you know that I need you. Lord, if there's anyone here who's never trusted you as their personal Savior, Lord, I beg of you for them to see their lost condition. And Lord, for them to accept you as their personal Savior today. Lord, I thank you for your power. And Lord, I thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I don't want you to raise your hand and answer for, I don't want someone not to raise their hand and everybody's going to look around them. But if you took a shower this morning, you understand my question now. If you took a shower this morning, you are thankful and everybody around you is thankful that you did. Amen? If I go on a daily basis and I don't take a shower, I don't clean myself, I can promise you there's a process that happens. Uh, day one, uh, it depends on your body odor, uh, how it starts to progress and goes against your body to other people's noses. We don't like that. Day two, it gets worse depending on uh, your exercise, depending on your pattern of day uh, of, of whatever, uh, it's going to get worse. There's a process of skin that will start to die off. It has to get clean, and I don't mean to get uh, graphic on it, but there's a process that happens to your skin, and at, at a, a point of time, uh, they're called sores will start to happen on the body, and we have to get clean. Listen to me. The reason I say it is this, we need to focus on cleansing in our life this morning. You cannot go Sunday morning and Sunday night uh, or Sunday morning get cleansed, uh, allow God to work today, and then tonight not show up, not hear what God has for you, because let me tell you, the preaching that goes on this evening is going to be for the one who misses it. I don't mean that to, to say that badly. But that's how it usually works. Satan will keep you out of exactly what you need in your spiritual life. God wants you to hear that message and for you to work. And God wants that out of you. 
But if you're unwilling to come on a sunny night or Wednesday night when the biblical preaching as the pastor starts back this Wednesday night, I'm excited because he's dissecting, telling you how to dissect the Scriptures. You know, brother, him and I, and brother Davies, that's what we do. Before we ever get up here to preach, before we ever mount the pulpit, we take time to study, to, 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 to take that verse or verses and literally destroy. I don't mean that badly, but we'll destroy those verses in a fact that I'll take one word and I'll bring it down to the knowledge of what the actual word means and then allow God to be able to reform it into the message which we have before us. You know what? God wants you to do that also. And if you're missing out on Wednesday night, I can promise you, you're missing out on scriptural learning. We need cleaning. This morning I want to focus on the fact that God can and God will, if you allow Him to, cleanse you. And God never wanted man, God, listen, God never wanted man to continue on in this life in sin. To better understand the context of this chapter, what I want to do is I want to flip over to 2 Samuel 2 Samuel chapter 11. I want you to hold your place right here. And I want you to look at 2 Samuel chapter 11. Now, if you come tonight, you don't see me here. Please, I'm not staying out of church. I'm preaching at another church tonight. <laughs> I just thought about that. So, I, I, you know, I'll be, I'll be at another church tonight preaching. The Bible says in verse 1 of chapter 11, And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him. And all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. What was David doing there? It was, it was law for the king to go out to battle. Why did he stay behind? Listen, if you don't take the, the, the learning process here, you'll miss something here. When you look at verse 2, And it came to pass in the evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messenger and took her, and she came in unto him and lay with her, and she was purified from her uncleanliness, and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. And David sent to Joab saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded of him how Joab did and how the people did and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, Go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house and with all the servants of his lord and went not down to his house. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down to his house, David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? 
Why then didst thou not go, uh, go down unto thine house? And your eyes said, David, the ark, and Israel, and Judah abide in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open field. Shall I then go into mine house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? As thou livest, and as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. For the sake of time, you have to understand what's happening here. When you look at the chapter of the results of a life that gets away from the Lord, a life that allows sin into his, into his heart, and then it goes into his life, we find an adulterous catastrophe. David should have been on the battlefield. David should have been with his men. He should have been out to fight uh, the, the, the evil uh, that was out there. And you know what? David stayed behind. I, I, I'm not sure why David stayed behind, but I could say this. Because he didn't do what he's supposed to do, Satan did what he's supposed to do. Does that make sense? When we don't follow God, when we don't listen to God, when we won't do as God had asked, Satan will do what he will do. And he'll do what he's supposed to do. We see an adulterous catastrophe happen here. And, 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 and you know, uh, not only that, he goes into an uh, attempted cover-up. There, he, he goes and he tells, uh, uh, he, he looks and he sends his servant to bring Bathsheba to him, and there he does something that he should have never done. He should have never been there. He should have never been on the rooftop. When he saw what he saw, he should have turned around, asked God to forgive them. It all starts in the mind. You know, the Bible says that he'll make a way of an escape. But David didn't want to escape from it. Again, if David would have been where he should have been, Satan couldn't have been done what he is good to do. And I find that we see adulterous catastrophe, an attempted cover-up. Uh, he goes and he tells him to bring Uriah back. And, and uh, I'm going to, in my mind, he's going to uh, uh, want to go back to his home. I'm going to let him go live with his wife. Uh, he's going to, in my mind, he's going to conceive a child. And this child, which uh, come out of our sin, will be now his son. And I can cover it up. Listen, you can't cover anything up. Be sure your sins will find you out. We've seen an anointed confrontation. You know what? God confronts David. As you continue reading, you'll find that David is in agony. David is in real turmoil. But then we'll find an agonizing chastisement. Would you look at 2 Samuel chapter 12 and look at verse 15. 2 Samuel chapter 12 and look at verse 15. <clears throat> After David's confronted, we find in verse 15, it says, And Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of his house arose and went to him to, to raise him up from the earth, but he would not, neither did he eat 
bread with them. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died, and the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? And when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord, worship. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. I understand. When I went through the, the life of David here, my question was, why did the child have to die? Was it that this child was paying the sins of the father for what the father had done? I don't believe that. When a murderer is convicted and he goes to prison and he's put on something called death row and his time starts ticking, and there's a day that this man will or woman will pay for their crime and there, whatever, they'll get lethal injection or in some states still the electric chair. I believe that that's right. You say, well, what do you mean? I don't, I don't get what you're saying. Listen to me. It's not for the benefit of this man or woman who's done the deed, done wrong, that they're paying for their crime. No. It's because everybody else needs to see what he did so that they won't. I believe that David used a death, uh, God used the death of this child so that others would see what David did and the consequences of his sin. And there the child then was the actual consequence to show everybody what not to do. I look at what's happening in the life of David and he's, he's completely destroyed. He's really dealing with some hard situations. But what I want to do this morning in this chapter, David prays to God right then to wash and to cleanse him. Can I say this? There's two groups in this building this morning. Only two. There's only two groups in this world not good people, not bad people. There is saved and there's unsaved. Those uh, that are already a child of God may need to be cleansed of sin, but those that are unsaved need to be cleansed of their sin. Big difference by being born again. See, the sin of the believer will hinder your fellowship with God, but the sin of the unbeliever will send you to a place called hell. The sin of the believer will rob them of the power of God, but the sin of the unbeliever will rob them of a place called heaven. The sin of the believer will keep their prayers from being answered. The sin of the unbeliever will keep them from experiencing the eternity, an entire eternity eternity with God. It will keep them from it. Either way, this morning you need God to cleanse you. You know what? He can. Can God 
save a sinner? Yes, he can. Notice the details that David shows us about being cleansed. I entitled my message, Lord, cleanse me. Lord, cleanse me. Number one, we see the conception that was painful. The conception that was painful. Would you look back at Psalm chapter 51? Psalm chapter 51. Would you look at verse 5? The Bible says this, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. You know, David was accurately aware of the problem that he had and that he had to deal with. We are born with a sinful nature. Every one of us are born in sin. The Bible says, For as one man, sin entered into the world, and and death was passed upon all men. That was that man, Adam, who chose to disobey God when God said, Listen, don't eat of the uh, the tree of the fruit of, of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of that tree. Whatever you do, you got every other fruit out here, but don't eat of that fruit. The Bible says that Eve... Because she was deceived by the serpent, went and pulled the fruit, saw that it was good to eat, ate of it. Nothing happened. You have to understand, nothing happened. It was only when she handed it to her husband and he did eat that their eyes were open. Listen to me, guys, we have... A job to do in our homes. God is expecting us to be the forefront of who He is in our homes, on our jobs, and every part of our life. Listen to me. That is our place where God has placed us. Their eyes were opened. But the Bible says because Adam sinned, their eyes were opened. And because he sinned, every child that was born of that generation, his child, his grandchild, me, my children, my grandchildren. I just had a grandchild born. Maybe two weeks after we were in California, we missed her by that much. Man, I I wish I could have been there. She's growing like a weed. Can I say that, my poor little sweet grandbaby? I have three now. They're all young, but they're all sinners. You say, how can a baby be a sinner? You have to understand. When I used to go and pick up my children out of the cradle and hand them to mom to get them changed, I changed diapers. Except I didn't change a lot of my daughter's diapers, but I did my boys. But I, we would change them. And we would powder them. They would be dry. We would feed them. They were warm when it was cold. They were cool when it was hot. And you know what? They were happy. You play with them. Watch what happens. It's, it's time for a nap. Yeah. Yeah. 
They're broken, honey. They're broken. You lay them down and you walk away and they scream. But if you pick them up, they quit crying. Wow, that's amazing. No, there's nothing hurting them. Is there something on the bed? Something sticking them? No, there's nothing wrong. They're just sinners that are born. Thankfully, that until they're at the age of accountability, when they die, they're with God in heaven. Thank God for that. But you know, there's a time that we understand that we are all sinners and we come short of the glory of God. And there we realize, we've got to realize that there was one who came to this earth. His name is Jesus Christ. And, and we were learning this morning who Jesus is to us. Who is Jesus to you? See, for some, he's just a good man. For some, he's a good prophet. For some, he is just anyone like us. But you know what? He's not. The Bible says, For God so loved the world, He loved me so much, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, that's the whole world, believeth in Him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. I find... That we're born in a sin nature. In Psalm 51, 5, he says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Psalm 58, 3, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born. Speaking lies, our sin nature is our mortal enemy. For those of us who are saved this morning, for those of us who have asked Jesus Christ to come into our heart and save us and change us, we this morning have an enemy. Our flesh is constantly at war with our spiritual man. But listen to me. For those who have never accepted Christ as their Savior, those that are lost, your sin nature is what will send you to a place called hell. You don't have to do a thing. You can't help it. You were born a sinner. Because Adam's sin, we're all sinners. Again, Romans 5, 12. But God knows this better than any of us. He knows this better than any of us. In Psalm 78, he says this, For their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir it up all his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passes the way and cometh not again. You know what? I can only think about one man... You hear about Peter and John. You hear about all these great men of God. But I can think of one man by the name of Paul. And you know what? Paul explained the constant battle that Christians face in their flesh. Would you turn with me to Romans chapter 7? Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, would you look at verse 14? Romans chapter 7 and verse 14. 
Romans chapter 7 and verse 14, the Bible says, For we know, y'all see it? For we know that the law is spiritual, but he says, But I am carnal, sold under sin. He says, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would that do I not, but what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent not unto the law that is good. Now then it is no more. I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For now I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would not, I would do not, excuse me, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, is it no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. He says, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of his death? I can only liken it to this. I've always been a car guy. I remember... I had, uh, at the age of 18, I bought me a brand new 1996, yeah, I'm giving my age out. I bought a brand new 1996 Chevrolet S10, it was a horrible truck, but neither here nor there. Extended cab, long bed, it was a nice truck to me. And uh, if you talk to my wife, she'll tell you the truth, I washed this thing inside and out. Two and three times a week. This car was immaculate. I remember I went and picked her up one day for school and, and her brothers needed a ride and it had been raining. They didn't have a concrete drive. It was they had to walk from their house to my car in the mud. Honey, I don't think this is going to work out well. You know exactly where I'm going with this. Because as soon as they step into my truck, they're going to get mud all over it, and I'm going to be frustrated. But I gave them a ride. I knew I was going to marry her. She didn't know that, but I knew that. <laughs> there's a give. There's a give and take. You know, you know how it is. You say, where are you going with this? Understand this. As I've gotten older, your energy starts to wane. If you go outside to my vehicles, and we have quite a bit of vehicles outside in our yard, I don't do much washing on the vehicles. I also don't do a lot of cleaning inside them either. I'm not going to lie to you. I work. I work hard. And that doesn't take precedent in my life. I have other things. But you know what we do? We're like a, many a people with a car. We get saved, and our life is clean. Just as much as I want to clean on the outside, I want to be clean on the inside. But as we get older, as we get more uh, experience in our spiritual, guess what we don't do? We don't clean our cars. We don't clean our spiritual side. We may even go and pay 20 bucks and get a monthly car wash and we'll drive through the car wash. But guess what gets 
not clean the inside. You know, it's funny, that which is on the inside will come out. It will. There are some that want to keep the outside and the inside clean. There are some that want to keep the outside clean so that everybody will see what the vehicle is, but they don't want to clean the inside. They don't want nobody to know. But there are some who's got to the idea that they'd rather not clean the outside or the inside because you just don't care any longer. Listen to me. Paul struggled with the life he lived. And he struggled knowing that he had a sin nature and he had to deal with that sin nature. This is what Paul said. He said, I die to self daily. What does that mean? I get on my knees before God and I say, Lord, I cannot do this. I need you to take control of my life. For that, if I'm in control, I always wreck. Here I find number two, the confession that was prayerful. Would you look at verse one? He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions. And my sin is ever before me. Now would you go down to verse seven? The Bible says, Purge me with hyssop. And I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away with thy presence, and take me not thine Holy Spirit from me. See, David, he's already enacted the the transgressions between him and Bathsheba. It's here, and God is dealing with him, and he's begging God to clean him. Lord, clean me. I know I'm a sinner. I know that there's things in my life, and i got to get it taken care of. His prayer was a confession that we all need to do today. You say, I don't need that. That means you're very dirty. And you do. We all need the prayer of confession. Whether you're a sinner this morning and you ask the Lord to save you, it's a prayer of confession of being a sinner and not being of Him. But then what about you being a saint and being dirty and being cleansed? See, David prayed a very detailed, specific prayer as he confessed his sin before God. And you know what? That's the key. It's confession before God. He referred to his sin by several different words. And uh, when we look at his prayer, uh, it's very inscriptive and descriptive. He's asking God to purge him, to cleanse him, to create in him a, a clean heart, to renew his spirit, to cast him not away from his presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from him. He's begging God to work a great work in him so that when he comes to the point of God cleansing, because God, once we ask God to cleanse us, He is just and faithful to cleanse us. He's not a liar. He does that at that very moment. But you know what? This is what, this is what David said. He said, Lord, restore unto me 
not my salvation, he didn't have to get saved again. You've got to understand, we, Jesus only died on the cross one time. If we think that we get saved and then we have to keep getting resaved, we keep please placing Jesus Christ back on that cross. That's wrong. But this is what David says. He says, please, Lord, return unto me my joy. My joy. You know why many Christians are not joyful? It's because they are not joyful in Him. There's too much bandage or baggage. There's too much dirt. It's funny. Has anybody ever changed their mattress out? Some of you knew I was going there. Did you know that when you buy a mattress, it's lighter when you place it onto your bed frame than it is when you pick it up and take it out to to go throw it away? Why? I don't want to go into details. There's a reason why it's heavier. Because there's stuff from your body that has got compacted in it. And it's much heavier. You know what? That's the life of a Christian. As we continue to allow this sin to keep us from God, it becomes baggage. And we haul that baggage around. And you know what? When we went to California, and you're going through the airport, Tennessee wasn't bad, but we went from Tennessee to Charlotte. If you've ever been to Charlotte Airport, please raise your hand. You understand what I'm talking about. I thought Tennessee would be bad, and I really thought that uh, LAX would be bad. But I would say Charlotte was worse than LAX and Tennessee combined. We got there and we're, we're trying to walk from this side all the way to the other side and we're hauling our luggage. And uh, after halfway, we're like, man, I'm tired. I'm tired. My wife, my poor, my poor wife, she's like, hey, can somebody grab this? You know, uh, she was already had other stuff on her and she's trying to carry her bag too. So one of us guys are carrying two bags if not more than that, and we're, we're walking uh, all the way to the other side. Listen to me, that's what I'm talking about this morning. We have our luggage here of that sin that we continue to strive to live with, and we're tired. You no know, wonder why the Christian's not joyful. David had that baggage, and he wanted to be clean from it. But then number three, we have the contrition That was powerful. Would you look at verse 16? The Bible says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Maybe you're here this morning and you know what the word contrite means. But for you this morning who do not, let me explain that. In the Hebrew, it's the word dakal, which means it's a, it's a primitive root word. It says to collapse physically and mentally, to break, to crouch. In the Webster's Dictionary, 
It means repentance. To shed tears for their sins. You know, the Bible is clear that God has pity on a person that has a contrite heart. Many of us will go and will try to ask God to forgive us of our sins, but the sin doesn't break us. We need the sin to break us. For us to be able to deal with something, we have to get personal with it. My daughter was talking to me last night. We were watching a movie and this guy was a physics guy. And she made a statement. She said, you know what? I would love to, to be able to have that kind of brain. I said, every one of us can have that kind of brain, dear. Every one of us can take time. Now, I don't pick things up as quick as I used to. But with enough study and enough effort, we can all be physics if we want to. But this morning, for us to have a contrite or humble heart, it takes us being broken before God. It means broken by the sin that's in your life. If you're, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, listen to me. You need to be broken about your lost condition. Because without Jesus Christ... And without accepting His dear, precious gift, you'll spend eternity away from God and then in a place called hell. Here we find the Bible's clear. The problem is not with God's ability to forgive. Listen, it is not God that cannot forgive. God does not move. The Bible says, I am God and I change not. So it's not about God. The problem is people that are not broken over their sin. I can think of a man no other than a a man by the name of Jeremiah. See, we cannot begin to understand the power of a contrite heart until he can revive the contrite. Allow God to revive it. In Isaiah 57 verse 15 he says this, For thus saith the high high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. With him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. God is looking for people who are broken about their sin, who wants to be cleansed from their sin, who will go to God humbly and broken and say, God, I need to be close to you. Listen to me. I cannot, be, I cannot be close to God unless I'm cleansed before Him. You cannot be dirty and live in sin and be close to God. God is holy. That's why we need a bridge called Jesus Christ who bridges us from us to Him because He is the only way to get to God is through the blood of Jesus Christ. God's holy. You know, the Bible says, if you read the New Testament, you'll find when Jesus is there on the cross, God has to take every sin that man has ever committed and that will ever be committed. So when you sin, I want you to think that your sin is the sin that's being thrown on Jesus Christ there upon that cross. 
as God is casting all this down upon Jesus, the, the world goes black. You ever wondered what Jesus looked like as he was being thrown into that? No, he wasn't thrown into that. He knew what he was doing because he loved you so much. But did you know that God has to turn his back on sin? The Bible says that Jesus was not a sinner, but he became sin for us that who knew no sin. Listen to me. Can God save the contrite? Psalm 34 verse 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such be of a contrite spirit. You know what? David prayed repeatedly. David prayed for God to cleanse him. And you know what? God did. Can God cleanse you this morning? You've not done anything too bad. David murdered. David. I don't think I have enough time to, to tell you everything he did. He lied. Over and over. He had relations with somebody else's wife. He committed an adultery. He murdered adultery. He lied. He swindled. He did everything that we would think that would keep us from God. And yet God cleansed him and said, This is a man after God's own heart. Not for the sin, but for the forgiveness. Can I put two scenarios together? Many of you know a king by the name of Saul. It's the same king that tries to kill David. It's the same king that when he tried to do what he did, trying to figure out how God can use him without God using him. Let me explain. See, when David, uh, when, when Saul went and he committed what you would call blasphemy in the eyes of God, he went and he did a sacrifice without the blessing of God. He did it. He's supposed to be in by through the uh, by the uh, the the pastor of that day, which uh, was the y'all guys help me out. Sorry, I just thank you. The priest. I don't know why I missed that, but uh, here the priest supposed to sh the to cut the juggler vein of the of the animal, the spotless lamb, and lay it before uh, all of Israel. And there God would work and forgive sins. Instead of Saul doing what God had asked him to do and go through the priest, he did it on his own. You say, God can't forgive that? You have to understand this. The difference between Saul and David was this. A contrite and humble spirit. David was willing to ask God for forgiveness and cleansing. And Saul was not. Two scenarios, two kings of Israel. Saul, his heart hardened before God. And God couldn't use him any longer. He pulled Saul out, but he was still able to use King David. Here we find that God can cleanse you and He'll change and He'll cleanse you this morning. See, I find the prayer of confession for us as Christians this morning is this. Would you look at two scriptures with me and I'm done. 
Look at 1 John chapter 1. First John chapter 1 and verse 1. Would you turn with me there? First John chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible says, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, as His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say, verse 8, that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Listen to me, the Bible says, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, listen to me. If we confess our sins, He hath faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is why we need to pray this morning, Lord, I know I have sin in my life. The pastor didn't prove it, but the Spirit of God did. I have sin in my life, and I've allowed it to take control of me. And Lord, I need, I need cleansing. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But what about those who have never trusted Christ as their personal Savior? Look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Would you look at verse 9? So simple but yet so hard. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. The Bible says in verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, you see it, thou shalt be saved. For the for with the heart man believeth unto, un, uh, uh, excuse me, unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know what? For you this morning, God just wants you to understand that you are a sinner and that the only way that you can get to God is through Jesus Christ. That, in fact, we are a sinner and we need to be cleansed. And ask God to forgive you of those sins and come into your heart. Would you bow your head this morning?